If we can refinance, pull investors' capital back out, get it, put it back in their pocket, tax-free, that is a good case for keeping a property. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always on these Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. How are you, Todd? I am doing fantastic, man. Just met with a uh, couple potential investors recently, uh, and they're, they're looking to 1031 exchange their properties into something. And so they're talking about how they could potentially 1031 exchange into our deals, um, which, you know, on occasion we allow, kind of a little bit depends. We really require larger investments. So somebody to come into us with like 50 or 100 or even $150,000, even $200,000, we would we would turn down, we would say, no, you know, invest with cash. But if somebody's got, you know, half a million, million or many million, um, then it starts to make a lot of sense for us to, to entertain uh, doing a 1031 into one of our deals. You create what's called a tick structure, tenants in common structure for that investor. And, uh, and then they can get in the deal. It does. It definitely creates some, you know, just some challenges along the ways in, in a little bit more headache, uh, but it's a possibility. So anyways, uh, just had some, been having good conversations with people. I think there's, there's a, kind of that demographic, and this is going to become more and more common. There's the demographic of people that are own these apartment buildings that are looking to sell. Um, that's the baby boomer kind of generation. I feel like there's a lot of baby boomers that own apartment buildings and they're selling to people like me, you know, young, you know, younger, I guess I'm now I'm middle close to middle age or I am middle age technically. Um, but you know, they're selling to kind of my generation and, and younger. Um, and so brings opportunity and they're wondering what to do with their money, right? Like this guy that I met with today, he's like, what do I, what do I do with my money? My, my kids want nothing to do with, uh, owning active real estate. And so I don't want to keep on buying active real estate because eventually I'm not going to be here, you know? So, so what are my kids going to do? I don't want to have to pay all these taxes. I don't want them to have to pay all these taxes. So looking at my options and he's like, passive sounds like the best way to go. So you don't tell them to buy NFTs? Don't tell them to buy NFTs. Nope. Mm -mm. I, I, I don't know that you could 1031 and do an NFT. I don't, I don't no. think you could. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Different. Yeah. So um, that kind of leads us to today's topic, uh, Matt. What's what's today's topic? Uh, today's topic is knowing when to sell. You know, uh, you know, if we all had crystal balls, then it'd be you know easy to know when to sell. So uh, there's some other indicators that we might have to look at to determine when the right time uh, for us to sell would be. And uh, speaking of selling, actually, one of the properties I was invested in uh, just got sold. Uh, so I got a nice uh, payout. It ended up with an 18 IRR. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah, that's great. You know, any any time, obviously, you can make money. That's a good thing. Um, obviously, making an eighteen IRR is a 
is a very nice thing. Um, we all hope to be able to get into that uh, teen uh, IRR for on a, after a disposition. Fantastic to be able to do it. Uh, it's nice when it actually comes to fruition, right? <laughs> and you get mm. that, and you're like, hey, this this worked. All right, let's do it again. Um, yeah. So when do you sell? Uh, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough question. And again, that's kind of why I was thinking about these couple investors that have, neither of them are, both of them are in the more of an exploratory phase. So it's, it's interesting. I'm talking to two people back to back. Uh, I talked to the, the one guy I met, uh, yesterday and the other guy I met this morning and, um, they're both kind of in that same phase. They're exploring. Does it make sense for me to sell? Should I hold these properties? I want to become more passive. Um, the one guy for sure is like, that's what I, I need to become passive because the other guy is like, I just kind of, you know, think it's maybe a good idea, but I'm not quite sure yet. Um, but, you know, they they have different reasons to sell. And so there's always a different reason to sell. So so when do you sell? I think that's that's always a tricky question. It's always tricky for us too. But what we have to look at is what's the opportunity, right? And so does it make sense to sell? Does it make sense to hold? Does it make sense to refinance? So what's the opportunity in front of us? And, and also what's the market like? You know, what are we gonna do with that capital after we sell? Because we want to make sure our capital is not just going to sit around and do nothing. So for our company, we're in a growth phase. We're not in a retirement phase where we're kind of just like, hey, we we're going to sell because we don't want to, you know, we just want to be passive. That's different, right? That the reason to sell there is because I'm getting older and because I want to be more passive. Uh, you know, I don't want to continue to do this full time. Okay, that, that's definitely one reason. For us, our, that's not our decisions. Our decision is, does it make financial sense, the most financial sense for our business to sell, or does it make more sense for us to keep? And so we got to look at several different aspects for that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and you have to also think about like what your original plan was, you know, when you told your investors when they invested, like what the expected uh, exit plan was going to be. Uh, are you staying true to that? Uh, you also need to you know, adjust to whatever's going on at the time as well, of course. Yeah. And that's, that, that's interesting. And I, I struggle with that as well, because I don't like, I don't love the idea of telling my investors, we're going to sell at a certain time point in time and kind of be forced to do that. However, I do understand investors not really desiring to have their money locked up forever or thinking that it could be. So there's, you're kind of striking that balance. Do we lock their money? Do we tell them their money is going to be locked up for a long period of time? You know, 30, 40 years, 20 years. And there's plenty of companies that do that. There's actually quite a few companies that do that in the Twin Cities. Most companies do that in the Twin Cities, where you invest with them, that money, that principal is not ever planned to come back to you and you're just collecting the cash flow. Now, do they sell sometimes strategically? Yeah, but that's that's not the goal, right? Um, for me right now, our kind of horizon has been about five to eight years, and then we're going to sell. 
but we do sell earlier. So for instance, we're looking at right now, we've got an asset that we've done a big value add to, and we're looking at, does it make sense to sell this asset? We're still in the, in the value add process, but as we get closer to stabilized, we're looking at, does it make sense to sell? So we had a broker come to the property and look at the property, look at the financials and give us a broker opinion of value, a BOV. And we looked at that BOV, which was pretty handsome BOV. It was over $20 million and we purchased the building for under, under $9 million. Um, and so you look at that and you gotta go, wow, you know, what returns are we giving those investors in a fairly short period of time? And then with those returns, what can we do with them? Right? So do we feel like selling that and giving our investors for, for instance, your deal, you got an 18 IRR. Well, that company, if they did it right, they should have thought, okay, we can provide our investors an 18 IRR and we can then take those funds. We will assume that most investors will invest in our next deal. Cause that's typically what happens is if you provide good returns and you did a good job. So the if majority of those investors reinvest into our next deal, <clears throat> what kind of returns can we provide them in our next deal? Versus if we hold this deal, what type of return are we going to be providing our investors moving forward? And how does that look? Let's look apples to apples. Okay. If we keep this five more years down the road, our investors will make, you know, 30% more on their money. But if we sell this five years down the road and when they get into another deal, they'll make, you know, 75% on their money something like that. Okay. Well, which one looks better? Obviously 75% looks better. So we just kind of got to compare what's the opportunity moving forward. And do you often have people who 1031 from one of your properties into another one of your properties? Yeah. The goal is to 1031 to move that money um, into the next deal. Protects everybody's, uh, you know, or, or keeps their tax burden light, obviously, or no, no tax burden. Um, so yeah, we do, We definitely want a 1031 into the next deal if, if, if possible. Matt, you could set that up from the beginning to your investors and, and that that's more of a, this is a long-term strategy, right? You're gonna invest $100,000, you're gonna invest, this is the deal you're investing in. When we go to dispose of that deal, we will move that money into the next opportunity. Right. That's disclosing to your investors that they are 1031 exchanging into the next deal. Now that's a pre-prescribed 1031. We already know that that's part of the business plan. And so you don't expect your funds to come back to you. You expect that to continue to cycle and build and grow. That looks different than a lot of what a lot of people do is they, they get ready to sell. And then they ask investors if they would like to 1031. And if enough investors say yes, then we can 1031. If too many investors say no, then we can't 1031. That's how most people do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like that idea. It's like a, a snowball, you know, rolling down a hill, like, you know, gathering up more and more snow and getting bigger and bigger over time. Yep. Yep. It takes more trust in the syndicator, mm. right? Because it, just because this deal is good, how do I know you're going to pick another good deal? Well, 
if, if you trust me on this deal, you should trust me on the next deal, right? But if I have never done business with you and I don't know how good you are as an operator, do I really want to stay with you for deal after deal after deal? What if you did a terrible job? What if I really want my money back? So it takes more trust. I've done deals with this syndicator three times. I know they're good. I know what they're going to do. I know they communicate the way I like to. I know their processes are good. Whether they make me a ton of money or not, that that's still obviously to be determined on a deal by deal basis, but at least you know, like, and trust them and you like to do more deals with them. And so you say, yeah, I'll 1030, I'll continue to 1031. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the market, like what are some of the market indicators that, uh, you know, lets you know it's time to sell? Like, like, do you have a perfect, uh, you know, uh, crystal ball that lets you time the market perfectly? Yeah. Yeah. So we bought a crystal ball um, <laughs> last year. It's working great. Yeah, so far, at least uh, prices have gone up drastically. And so, yeah, it's uh, our crystal ball is working really well. I think what you got to look at, Matt, is, is uh, honestly like not necessarily timing the market, but what opportunity is in the market? Do you feel like the market is presenting you with opportunities to execute the business plan you're looking to execute? For us, it's value add multifamily. So is the market allowing us to purchase a value add multifamily with enough meat on the bone and enough price point where we feel like we can still achieve good investor returns? Also, is the market uh, going to provide us good return on the current, you know, investment. So I think those two combined that, that really provides us, do we, do we sell or do we hold for a little while longer? Um, financing too. Can I refinance and can I get good terms? You know, now financing all of a sudden interest rates got a lot higher. And so does it make sense to refinance anymore, pull money out and keep the investors into the deal and cash flow? It might be tough now. Tougher at least. You know, interest rates are still relatively low. So maybe it makes sense. Depends on your basis and what you got it for. But we did a refi uh, a year ago. And that made so much sense to refi. We refied, we got locked in at 2.7%. Um, yeah, it just made a ton of sense. Cash flow is amazing. Investors are making 20% on their money. Hard to complain with that. But had we waited and locked in now, now we're at you know 5% interest rate. Investors are still making good cash flow. So it still would have been a good case to make, but definitely a lot more difficult case, right? Now, instead of making 20%, they're making, you know, whatever, 14%. Still good, still great, but does it make more sense to sell because we've got a ton of equity built up in that property? Yeah, that makes sense. So when you can create enough cash flow, either infinite cash flow potentially by refinancing and pulling all the money out or uh, very good cash flow, you know, 20% or greater. Well, how, how are you going to get a 20 IRR in this market? It's challenging. That can, it can be done, but the market has to behave like it's been behaving, right? If we get any kind of downturn, a 20% IRR is just not going to happen. So man, would I go with the 20% cash on cash return or would I go with the 20% IRR? I'd go with the 20% cash on cash return all day long. I mean, cash flow is beautiful. <laughs> you can't complain about that. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's how we look at deals. 
where does it go? You know, we would, you know, can, can we, and, and anytime we can refinance Matt, if we can refinance, pull investors capital back out, get it, put it back in their pocket, tax free. That is a good case for keeping a property. If we can still cash flow well, that is a very good case because now they've got that cash flow coming in. They've got that tax free money that they can reinvest into your next deal. That's a win for everybody. I would rather build and grow my portfolio that way than trying to sell every five years. Yeah. I mean, uh, back in 2020, I sold a couple properties and I, you know, at the time I thought like, oh, the prices are so high. I, you know, they can't get much better than this. Um, and so I, I made some good profits, but then I look back at like what the properties are worth now, like, oh man, <laughs> I yeah. should have kept them. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I did the same thing. I sold the I sold the property in, well, I guess it ended up being 2021, but the very beginning, you know, end of 2020, essentially. And I thought, man, I'm doing great. It was the highest priced property that ever hit that sub market. And I got it sold. And guess what? Just a year later, they're going for a big premium above what I sold for. 20% higher. Wow. So... I should have kept it for another year, but you know, what, what do you do? So how, why did I sell that one? I guess that there's another reasons to sell. Why did I sell that one? It no longer fit my model. I wanted to buy a and B class neighborhoods. This was C class. It no longer fit my model earlier in my career. I was okay with C class. Now I don't like C class. I don't like the risk and volatility of C-Class. A lot of people will tell you that C-Class is going to be the best during a recession. I think that's the exact opposite. There's always the most pressure on C-Class. It's been proven recession after recession after recession that C-Class struggles the most. So I don't want to be in the C-Class. It's got the highest risk. It's potentially got the highest reward. But right now, the cap rates are so compressed with C-class compared to B-class compared to A-class that it doesn't make sense for me to be in that asset class. So I shifted from C to B and to A, and um, that was the reason I sold, is because I just wanted to get out of that asset class. You're still focused on value-add within those uh, neighborhoods? Yeah, I mean, so we're buying C-class property in an A-class or B-class neighborhood. You know, we're buying a property that is run down and hasn't been renovated. But so we're doing, yeah, we're doing a lot of times a very heavy value add. But it's in a market that's, my opinion, going to hold up a lot better during a recession. And I feel like we're pretty good chance we're going to hit a recession here. And so I like the idea of being a little more insulated uh, especially at this late in the cycle. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you can p fix up the property, but you can't fix up the neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we love that story. We love the story of being able to take a property that's in a good neighborhood that has low crime and our property has, you know, moderate to maybe even high crime. And we love to take and turn that around and if our property is the problem property in the neighborhood, that's a great story to be able to have and execute on and, and tell, and you're creating a lot of positive impact on the community residents, you know, it's what a great place to be in. Very cool.
So, yeah, man, I don't know. What other reasons? Why, why would you sell? What are the reasons? Uh, I mean, if you get a, uh, an offer, you can't refuse. Like you said, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you just get uh, like, maybe you're planning on a five to eight year hold. And then like year and a half in, you're not even done with the renovations yet. You get just an incredible offer. Like, okay, well, let's, let's sell now and then uh, reinvest that money uh, next time. Yeah, it's, it's look uh, to me selling. I, I understand the idea of never selling. I do. I, I completely understand it. I don't believe that that's the best strategy if you're trying to build a company. I believe that's a great strategy if you're just in maintain mode, more more of retirement type mode. That's a, that's a fine strategy. But if you're trying to build a company, I don't believe holding these properties forever is probably the best um, the best strategy. There's many reasons why I would say you should sell and it's to take take some of that money off the table, move it into other properties. You get a lot of debt equity as you hold the property for longer and longer. You know, you keep on paying down your mortgage, rents go up, NOI goes up, the equity is there. So now, yeah, you have only 5 million invested into this deal or whatever it might be, but you really have 5 million invested, but 10 million of equity. So if you look at your cash on cash, as far as your cash on equity, right, return, you thought you were making 10%, but you were really making 5%. When you could have went into the next deal, made 7% and still made more money in the next deal. So moving that money, uh, the velocity of capital, there's, there's a big reason why we want to continue to move that money and be able to build greater and greater wealth uh, through that. But I do understand, look, I like this property. I'm comfortable with it. I, I really enjoy uh, the asset itself. And I think it's going to be a strong long-term hold and we're just going to pay down some debt. And I, I, I get that. I understand it. I just, if you're in growth phase, growth mode, that doesn't make the most amount of sense. And you're, yeah. you're going to be in different positions too, Matt. I'm selling a lot of my single families right now because I, I'm not a single family guy anymore. I just, that, that doesn't, it doesn't get me excited. And so I'm selling single families and duplexes and, and uh, taking those funds and putting it into our syndications. Hey, that's very good. I like that. So cool, man. Um, anything else? No, I think that's it for today. All right. Well, Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks, you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review. just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. 
and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.